We don't normally introduce our speakers that long, but just um, thank you, Steve. It's very kind of you. Appreciate your your kind words there. And just say there's a just a reminder that young leaders are meeting tonight in our house at six o'clock for tea and uh, ministry after that. So don't forget that. Now, is there anyone here who would like more confidence or to be more confident in life? few of us. Some of us are already super confident. That's, that's good. I'm pleased to see that. Well, if you want more confidence in life, stay tuned and you'll find out how during this message. Before we get into this, can we have our slide start up here, please, Dave? Um, I want to remind us of where we've got to so far in the year. And as was mentioned earlier, our theme is from 2 Peter 1.21, which says, men moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. And so far, we've looked at some things out of the Bible that are important and really mean uh, a great deal to us, things we value, things we prize, things we want to put at the top of our lives and the top of our list every day. And they're things like this. Everybody has a part to play in ministry. It's not just ministry by the few, but for everyone. And in fact, all of us have a calling and a role and a God-given part to play in his kingdom and in his work in the world today. Secondly, that the word of God uh, is of really prime importance in our lives. We value God's word highly. We place it on the highest place. We also value the Holy Spirit's work and presence in us. He's really, really important in our daily lives. He matters to us. He is of the utmost value to us moment by moment and day by day. And we said that we enter into the realm of the Spirit through the Word of God, that the more time we spend in God's Word, the more tuned up we are to how the Spirit works and moves in our lives. And we can connect with Him that much better through the Word of God. And prayer also is really important to us. It's something we value highly It matters to us. And somebody said once this to me. They said, you can tell what people really value by when the pressure comes on. Because when the pressure is on, that's when they drop things that don't really matter to them. But they don't drop the things that are really the most valuable. So if we say we value prayer, but our time gets busy, do we carve out some time to keep praying or do we drop prayer? That's how we'll find out how much Uh, We value something. We say we value giving and offering. But if we're a bit short one month or we want to go on holiday or buy a Christmas present, do we then say, well, I can't afford to put anything in the offering because I want to buy this nice present for somebody? That's when we find out what we really value and prize the most in our lives. And so these are things we are valuing together as a group of God's people. Now, last week, we looked at intercessory prayer and we looked at how the Spirit can help us to pray when we find it hard to pray. And we said that the way the Bible talks about that is about being pregnant. It's like our prayer meeting should be like a maternity ward. There is a sense of giving birth to something with groanings and sighings too deep for words. Interestingly enough, I've been reading the Gospels this week, and I've just been noticing again how many times it says Jesus sighed. He did it more than once. I I found it in a couple of other places this week where Jesus gives this sense of a a sigh in the Spirit. He's giving birth to a miracle or a healing or something of God in the Spirit. So this week we're going to continue on that theme. And our title today is How to Pray as a Church. How to Pray as a Church. And we're going to look at a passage in Acts chapter 4 verse 16 to see how we do that. So Acts chapter 4 verse 16, How to Pray as a Church as a church. Should come up on the screens for you. Here we go. Oh, it's a bit small there. Sorry about that. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed one. Indeed, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's pray. Father, even now, by your spirit, would you speak your word boldly to our hearts that we could hear and receive something today that would fire us up and enthuse us again with how precious, wonderful, mighty and powerful you are and how awesome it is to connect with you in intercession and prayer and see your spirit move in our lives and in the lives of others. Lord, we pray, give us what this passage talks about. Holy Spirit boldness, confidence to pray Godward prayers in you. Father, we pray, touch our hearts today, instruct us today, impart something to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Back when I was a boy, missionaries from this country regularly went to Africa. And they met some very difficult times there. And one of the the, the kind of terrorist organizations that was operative in Africa was a group called Mau Mau. And it was operating particularly in Kenya, which had until recently, or until round about that time, been a part of the British old colony, if you like. And the Brits had been seeking to give back... Uh, the the territory to the people. But there was a a terrorist organization called Mau Mau, and they were incredibly uh, unkind, bloodthirsty, and they killed Westerners, including missionaries. And during that time, in 1960, there were a couple of missionaries called Matt and Nora Higgins. And one night, they were driving back to the capital city, Nairobi, in their vehicle, when it broke down in the bush in the black and the darkness, just completely in nowhere at all. And they knew by that time that Mau Mau were out looking for white missionaries and were trying to kill them in the most cruel and horrible way. So there they are, 17 miles short of Nairobi. It's too far to walk, and the Land Rover stopped, and it won't start. They'll need to get under the bonnet and repair it, but it's dark. They can't see what they're doing. They brought no torch. So what they do is... They spend the night in the car and they pray and God gives them a psalm, a verse from a psalm. And it's this in Psalm 4, 4, verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So they prayed that verse all night and they went to sleep in the car. In the morning, they woke up in perfect safety, fixed the car. They were able to repair it and drove the other 17 miles back to Nairobi. Well, a few weeks later, they went back to America, where they were based, just to take a break, what they call on furlough. And they told the the people in their home church this story. They said, the night before we left Nairobi, one of the local pastors came to see us. And he said that uh, a guy from the Mau Mau had been to see him and asked to give his life to Christ. He turned away from that life of violence and instead... He wanted to get right with God. And he said, I need to confess some things. He said, one of the things I need to confess is this. A few weeks ago, I was out with three of my Mau Mau-like terrorists, and we saw this Land Rover broken down in the darkness of the night, about 17 miles from Nairobi. And this pastor started, hmm, I think I, this rings a bell. And he said, we, we were going to attack them and kill them and cut them to pieces. He says, but as we approached the car, we saw 16 men standing around the car, and we thought, well, that's more than us. We won't have a chance against these 16 men who are standing watch over this Land Rover. So they backed off, and they never went through with this terrible crime. And the Higginses were astonished. They said, 16 men? There were only two of us in the Land Rover. That's all there were. What's this 16 men thing? We don't know anything about that. Well... During this same break, one of, the, one of their friends heard about this part of the story in the meeting, so he came to find them. 
His name was Clay Brent, and he came to find the Higginses. And he said to them, he said, have you been in danger recently? And they said, well, we were. And they told him the story of that night. He said, well, now, here's a curious thing. When was that? And they gave him the day and the time. And if you make up for the time difference between America and, and Africa, this is what happened. Clay Brent felt a, an incredible burden on his heart to pray for the Higginses. And he didn't want to pray alone, so he called 15 other people to come to his house And together, those 16 people prayed and interceded, and they kept praying until they felt the release in God that their prayers were heard and that they got the answer that they needed for. And they stayed there some while to do that. Isn't that amazing? 16 men praying, 16 people standing around the car. Could it be that God put an angel there for every one of them that was praying? Isn't that amazing? And that should give us some encouragement. It's the power of being led by the Spirit in prayer when we pray together. That as you pray and stand like a warrior in prayer, together as the people of God, God commands his angels to stand as warriors in the Spirit around whatever situation or person or circumstance we're praying for together. And that's what makes the difference. Thank God for that incredible insight into the spiritual realms about what happens when we pray together. So I want to look at three key words from this passage that we've had on the screen here to help us understand what it is and how we pray together. The first one is this. It's the word together. It says in the passage, they were together. Now, there is plenty of space in the New Testament to pray on our own. Jesus talks about it in going into our inner room and praying to God in secret. And there are other uh, examples Jesus gives and the Apostle Paul and other places where people pray on their own. And that's all right and good and at the pinpoint of our prayer life. We have to have an individual prayer life with God. But as we establish that, we also establish a prayer life together. And when we come together, we bring to that prayer life together are in all the sum of our individual prayer lives. But when we meet together, something extra happens. Something more takes over. It's interesting Jesus promised to be where two or three were gathered in his name. There is an extra dynamic when you bring God's people together, especially in prayer. It says in Acts 1, they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That's radical, by the way, because before, the Jewish men never joined with the women to pray. But after Christ was resurrected, the men and women met together for everything. And that's how the church was formed, different to the old Jewish religion. Here's another part in Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And what they would do is that the the new believers would go up to the temple at the set hours for prayer and they would pray together in the temple. But it was nothing like the old Jewish praying they'd been brought up on. It was a whole new kind of praying. It must have really disturbed the priest and the other people in the temple, this group of uh, new believers there praying in a completely different way. Now... Being together in prayer is really important. Have a look at this passage from Timothy. Here Paul is telling Timothy how he should establish the church in Ephesus and get it running on proper lines. There have been some problems there, and it needs reworking. Some of the elders need sacking and good ones putting in and so on, and certain heresies need speaking to. And he says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness, godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So, Paul is telling Timothy, here's how you get the church running properly. Number one... Be together in prayer. Now that's strange, isn't it? Because we normally think about church as a Sunday morning service. And what do we do there? Well, sing hymns and uh, worship and pray a bit and minister and hear a sermon and take the offering and all that kind of thing. 
say nice things about the pastor even. But actually, Paul says the first reason to get together is not singing hymns, is not taking the offering, it's prayer. That is the first reason we are called together as believers. And you could scratch your head and think, well, hang on a minute. If that's what it says in the Bible, why do we do something different? Actually, we don't. Do you know something? We also meet first for prayer here. It takes place at quarter to ten in a little room up there, which should tell you something. See, our meeting does not actually start at half past ten. Thank you, Steve. I mean, that's good. It kind of does. But actually, our meeting really starts at quarter to ten. It starts at quarter to ten in a little room at the back here, where this morning there were about eight of us to start off with, who were praying and seeking God. And do you know how you know when revival comes? Do you know how you know when God's people are really getting passionate about God and they're loving him and they're spending time in his word each, each day, they're spending time with him each day in prayer and fellowshipping with him? I'll tell you what, how you know. Because before the meeting starts, people are already here praying. That's how you can tell. You can tell who the ones who are on fire for God. They'll pay any price to be together with other people for this sole purpose of praying and interceding and getting through with God. So we do actually pray first in this church. It's just some of you may not know about that. Some of you may not feel invited to that. Well, I want to invite you this morning. Anybody can come and pray here when we start at quarter to ten. That's when the meeting truly starts. And you know what? The more powerful time we have there, the more powerful time we'll have here when we get to the offering and the hymn singing and the healing and everything else like that. But our first duty is to call on the name of the Lord on behalf of our our nation, on behalf of governments, on behalf of other people. That's what we're first called to do. And when we come together, that's what this is all about. Now, something else that... um, that it says about together here. It says they lift... Can we, can we have the first line of text up there? They were in the same place together. But here's the second thing. They lifted their voices together at the same time. Now, that tells you something about the way they prayed. This is another story from exactly the same country in exactly the same period of history. I remember Dr. Derek Prince, the famous Bible teacher, whom one of my great heroes and favorites... Um, he was telling the story of how he was actually a missionary in Kenya at the time of Mau Mau. And they wanted to pray that when the country became independent from the British, Mau Mau would not take over and bring anarchy, chaos and destruction to the whole nation. They were really, really scared about that. And also around them at the time, other countries were having like rebellions and internal wars and strife. It was, it was a terribly turbulent time in East Africa, especially. And so... The Derek Prince is telling the story one night of how the guy that was due to become the leader of that nation was a guy called Jomo Kenyatta. And the problem was people blamed him for Mau Mau. They thought he was one of the, the, the influences and the forces behind stirring up all this trouble. So they were really worried that when he became the ruler, all of this trouble would break out. So there were serious issues to pray for as that country became independent. And one night at a prayer meeting uh, in the Bible school that Derek Prince was involved in, they called a prayer meeting that night for the nation prior to it becoming independent. And Derek Prince said they prayed. And he said when they prayed, they prayed like Africans prayed. Now, that's not how British churches pray. When each person goes round one at a time and they say their prayer and everybody says amen, they listen politely and then the next person does that and you hope you don't fall asleep before it's your turn. He said, when Africans pray, he said, they all lift their voice together. He said, he said it was awesome to listen to. He, this is the words he used to describe it. He said, it was like the sound of many waters, which is the same phrase that the Bible uses to describe the voice of Jesus in Revelation. And this awesome sound of heartfelt prayer and intercession came from everybody all at once as they poured out their intercession before the Lord. It was deafening. 
Well, do you know what happened? First of all, um, uh, this, this incredible prayer kind of raised the roof and Derek Prince stood there with his British background and the American citizenship thinking, man, what have I come to? This is, this is amazing. And then as the noise died down eventually, a young man got up at the front. He said, I'd like to give a picture that came to me while the prayer was going on. He said, I saw a red horse arise in the east and it came across the nation of Africa towards Kenya, but it came to the border and then it turned and went round Kenya and didn't come to us. Do you know, a few years later, that actually happened. There was a left-wing revolt over in um, Zanzibar, one of the islands, or Madagascar, that sort of side of things. It spread across Africa, and it came to the border of Kenya. By that time, Kenyatta had become the president, and according to their prayers, he changed completely as a man. God changed the man's behavior and heart when he became the president, I believe, in accordance with the prayers of the church together. And by the way, it's election year this year, so we need to listen to this. And, and as that rebellion, it went through, it went through different countries, and each country successively um, overthrew their government and went for a, a more left-wing, Russian-Soviet-communist-style government. And that, as you know, brings all kinds of oppression and bloodshed in its wake. And it came to the borders of Kenya, and at that moment, Kenyatta did something very sensible. He got the last few remaining British troops in the country, went down to the border and stood on the border, and dared them to come in, and they didn't. And it went round Kenya, and it went to other countries, but it never touched Kenya at all. And for many years after that, you could go as a missionary to Kenya. It was the only open African country that would allow people to fill in a visa form and say, I want to come as a missionary. It was open to the gospel in a way some of those other nations hadn't been for years and years and years. And things have changed now politically in some of those other nations. But for many years, those countries were more difficult to get into as a result. See, the prayers of God's people together accomplish great things. They change the destiny of nations and the destiny of rulers. And for sure, they can change the destiny of individuals too, uh, whatever that needs to be. Now, one of the incredible things about that prayer meeting in Kenya was this, that they all prayed together, just like here in Acts. They all lifted up their voices. I was listening about two years ago to Pastor Cesar uh, Castellanos from Colombia speaking. And he was telling me of how he'd been around a number of churches. Well, not telling me, telling a group of us. And he said this. He said, I noticed in the churches that when it comes to the prayer meeting, the pastor has to be at the front whipping them up, getting them praying. And he said, if that's what the pastor has to do, something's wrong with the church. If people are encountering God in their own personal walk with God and in their own personal prayer lives, they will come to the prayer meeting ready to pray like that. And somebody said to me once, well, Pastor, do you expect us to pray at the drop of a hat? And I said, yes, I do. I expect you to pray at the drop of a hat. Why? Well, think about it. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means there is no second of the day when if I get a hat here and drop it, you shouldn't be able to go, I bless the Lord, I praise the Lord, hallelujah, God is good. Now, if we're not ready like that, it says our spirit's not ready. And if our spirit's not ready, we've not been engaging with God in the secret place that we may yet get to teach, teach about at some other point in time uh, in order to then come into the public place where we're ready to pray like that. And so Pastor Caesar, in response to that, he rewrote something called the School of Leaders to become now what we call destiny training. And the first book is how to connect with God for yourself, how to get in that place with God. Because when we come together, we want to be like these New Testament Christians here, and like those Kenyan African Christians. We want to raise the roof. Now, we spent a lot of money doing this place up and putting a roof on, but I don't mind if you destroy it completely in prayer, okay? Something's got to happen here that goes, literally raise the roof. That's a good British idiom and expression to, to, to make a difference in prayer, a difference that touches individuals and communities and societies and nation. And it just so happens that we've got a marvellous opportunity to do that here on Friday night. Now, glad some of you are excited. It costs to pray. And somebody, somebody asked me a question for a radio programme. They said, what do you say to people if they say, my life's so busy, I don't have time for prayer? And I quoted to them a poster I once saw on a church wall. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. 
And where do we get that time from to pray? Well, sometimes we have to carve it out of what's there for other things. Sometimes we go without food. It's called fasting. And you can use that time to dig into the Word of God and pray. There's all the time you don't have to prepare the meal and get it ready and wash it up and eat the meal. That should give you a good hour at least. It's a marvelous opportunity not just to do something else, but take that hour aside and get into God. By the way, I'm going to suggest to you that on that prayer meeting, you could pray. You could fast as well. So you could fast ahead of time. Now, my recommendation is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast uh, Thursday evening and Friday daytime, so I can have something to eat, so I've got some energy to be awake that night. Uh, but you know, to have fasted a day before you get there uh, is a good thing to do. Uh, to come with some energy is also a good thing to do, but you can uh, administrate it how you want. But what I'm going to do is fast Thursday night's meal from Friday two meals, then have something to eat on Friday night uh, meal time, and then come to the prayer meeting uh, later on that evening. And this is a chance to carve out time and give it to God. And it's a chance to pray until, like we heard the, uh, that, that first prayer meeting I spoke about where the car was surrounded by the 16 men. How long do you pray for? The Bible says, um, seek the Lord while he may be found. And it talks about um, until he comes. It's times to seek the Lord until he comes. And you pray until he comes. And that can be 10 minutes or two hours or three hours. But I tell you this, if you pray till you get the breakthrough, you will see your results. A few weeks ago, the Lord woke me in the night, back in January, and um, I needed to pray during that night. So I got up and prayed the rest of the night. And I got onto one topic, and I began to pray. Several of you were in that prayer, I just want you to know. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I kept praying until I felt I had the release, like those people did in that prayer meeting. And by, by now, it was starting to get a bit light outside the window. And then I thought, oh Lord, have I prayed enough? And so I tried to pray about it some more, and I just couldn't pray about it anymore. It was as if I'd eaten until I was full, like you go to a wedding banquet or something like that. And, and I thought, I can't pray about this anymore. I know something has moved in the Spirit. Within three days, that prayer was answered in the most miraculous way, and it's still being answered now. And some of your lives are changing as a result of that prayer I prayed that night. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't want to put any pressure on you. But, if, um, but yes, we said last week, men are defenseless against our prayers. So that's the first word, together. We can be together to carve out time on Friday and see God really use us to break through in prayer. And if we want to touch this nation and change the destiny of our own lives, of people in this city, of our society and our nation, it's that kind of praying that we need to, to, to be about, regularly and faithfully. And that's why we've set this year with a timetable for prayers, the foundation of our year for moving forward in things of God. That's the first word, together. The second word is you. Now, the word you occurs in this prayer in nearly every verse. Let me read a few bits of it back to you. <clears throat> they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Um, uh, they opposed your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and so on. This prayer is you, 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 you. If we want to be about prayer like this, praying together, our focus should be Godward, should be God-centered, it should be God-focused. When we pray and intercede like this, we're saying, God, this is who you are. God, this is what you say in your word. God, this is what you've promised. God, this is what you want to do. God, this is how you want it to be. God, this is what your scripture says. God, this is what your prophetic word says. We are saying, you, 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 you. Our prayers are Godward, God-focused, God-content. There was a guy in a church I was pastoring before this one, so I won't say where, but you won't be able to guess. It could have been anywhere. And when we first went to the church, he was, frankly, he was a good guy, good, good young man, but his praying was lightweight. 
and his life was lightweight. He wasn't having a great impact in the spirit. But as we worked with him and encouraged him in God and got him into the scriptures, I noticed his praying changed. He started to pray the word of God out. And as he did, his prayers became heavyweight. Curiously enough, his life became heavyweight as well. And he went on from there to much bigger and better things, to minister at whole church level all over the world in different countries. And when our praying connects with the Holy Spirit and connects with the Word of God and we, we get that real sense of who God is and what he's doing in the world, not what's convenient to me or not what pleases me or not what I would like, but what he wants, what he wants to do, whatever that means for me, then our prayers go from being lightweight to being heavyweight. And with that heavyweight uh, feel about them, I believe they have that much more impact in the spirit. It's all about him. It's all about what he wants. And this is in tune with our theme for the year, that people moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. We're looking to be moved by the Holy Spirit in prayer. And if you remember what I said last week, Mike Bickle's definition of intercession, God tells you what to pray and you just tell it back to him. That's when your prayers are really going somewhere. When you know from God what it is to pray, and you just give that back to him, whether it's a simple phrase, a verse of scripture, a prophetic word, uh, a line from the Spirit, whatever that is, that's when our prayers have real momentum and real impact in the Spirit. The third word is this, boldly. I can't help thinking about this without thinking about Captain Kirk somehow. It's sort of, he's made that word real part of the English language, I guess. This is where it all ends up, boldness. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I asked at the beginning if anybody wanted more confidence. There is a kind of confidence that comes from this world. There are people around who are confident because they look good and they're popular. There are people around who have found some kind of skill in life and they've made their way in that. They may have even achieved celebrity status. There are people around who are confident because of their money or their position or their authority and power. There are people around just because they've been on an assertiveness training week who think they're confident as a result of that. But I'm talking about none of these things. I am talking about not being confident in how you look or how much money you have or haven't got or what position or job or title you've got in life. I am talking about a different kind of confidence. I'm talking about a confidence that comes in God, a confidence that is about God that is from the Holy Spirit. And I tell you this, the most ordinary person can have more true confidence when they have that confidence in the Spirit than the greatest ruler or president or king or anyone else like that. The Queen Mother, as she was uh, years ago, Mrs. Bose Leon, before she passed away, uh, I remember her always being around the Queen. And one day during the Second World War, she went to open a shipyard and... You know how they do it? They smash the bottle of champagne, don't they, on the front of the ship. And I named this ship HMS Ulysses. May God bless her and all who sail in her. Or something like that. Well, she was there to do that. And when she got there, she had to stand uh, near some of the workers who were ready to knock the chains and let the ship flow into the, into the river. And she and her husband put a lot of, that was King George VI, put a lot of their confidence in God during the Second World War, and they were known for it. King George VI called the whole nation to pray during that time. In fact, it's so awesome. I, I, I photographed the other day, and I, I made a little poster of what they called people to do and pray for the nation. I should give you a copy out, really, because it's quite awesome. And as she stood there, and all her sort of royal family, you know, the, the, the king's wife, she spoke to one of the workers and he was a born-again Christian. And he talked with her and he said, Mom, we really admire and respect you. 
And he said, it's great to be of royal blood, isn't it? Because I've got blue blood in my veins too. You understand, although he's standing next to the king's wife, he's not intimidated at all because he knows he's a son of the king of kings and lord of lords. And he's got a confidence that comes from God that enables him to stand there next to the, to the, to the ruler of the country and do his job well and not feel intimidated, not feel under pressure because he knows Christ has worked in his life. And that's the kind of confidence we're looking for, the royal blood of Christ in our lives to know that he's made the difference in us and we can make the difference in the world. So this is a a kind of mentality and a boldness that comes from the Spirit. And when you get it, you don't pray for your own convenience. You'll notice in this prayer, they're not saying, Lord, can you see the horrible names they're calling us? Please strike them all down. Lord, they're being really mean to us. Please, can we sue them all for thousands of pounds in court for defamation of character? Lord, they're being really horrible to us. They're putting things on the, on, on the web. They're calling it trolling, I think. Um, you know, please, can we shut down their internet sites or hack into it or, or do some denial of service kind of response? There's none of that. They're not asking for convenience themselves. They're saying, Lord, you see what's happening in this city. The, the rulers who killed your son Jesus and put him to death, they're rising up in the same demonic spirit against us. And now, Lord, we're not asking you to stop it. We're not asking you to take it away. We're not asking you to change anything. All we're asking for, Lord, is that we can stand in this moment and carry on through and keep to your plan and carry out your will no matter what it costs us. And if some of us have to lay down our lives and die for it, well, then so be it, Lord. Lord, we're not asking you to take us out of the situation. We're asking you to give us grace to stand and press on through to the victory that's there in you. That's the kind of confidence we're talking about here. And so much praying can be about, Lord, make life easier, more comfortable, more convenient, nicer and better for me. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes the call of God is on us to endure and persevere and press on and press through and ask for God's will to be done, even if that's expensive on my account. And some of you know this. You've prayed that kind of prayer and you've paid that kind of price. And there's probably more to come for us all in this nation, given the way things are going. But this is the way to pray, that God is glorified and God's will is done. Um, We just have to take our part and our place in that. Now, the word boldness, an interesting word in the Bible, it's not used that many times, about 28, something like that. Do you know which person in the Bible is spoken about with the word boldness more than anybody else? Gideon. Oh, no, there's a good example. Gideon. Any other offers? Joshua. Samson. Anybody else? Paul, I hear. Paul is the right answer. The Apostle Paul has the word boldness attached to him and his ministry more than any other single character in the Bible. Here's here's one example. This is what he says. He's talking about ministering in the Spirit is the context here, and he says this. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Can you see that? He's talking about the Holy Spirit being at work in them and in each one of us. He says every one of us can do this through the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is we can all be very bold, just like Paul. So boldness is a particular characteristic of the New Testament believer and a particular characteristic of those who are living in, by, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as believers seek him in prayer, the Bible tells us in the passage we've read, that's when the Holy Spirit boldness comes on us. And think about this for a moment. Paul was not the most ideal person to be bold in one sense. He wasn't in the original 12. He was opposed to the church. He did things that probably none of us have ever done. He probably sinned worse than any of us because it led to the death of people. And he said, I'm the chief of sinners. And yet this man can come from that place of fallenness 
to such a, a dedication to God and a love for Christ and a relationship with the Holy Spirit and a passion for the things of God that even though he's been the chief of sinners, he can be the most bold person the Bible has ever spoken about. And if he can do it, surely there's hope for every one of us that we can come from wherever we're at today and get into that place of prayer and the Spirit and a Holy Spirit boldness. Do you notice, to reinforce that, it says they all came together and they all prayed together. Nobody was left out of this. Now, there is this concept among pastors. I'm going to let you into a little trade secret here. When pastors go to pastors' conferences, they, they, they talk about what it's like being a pastor, you know, and they, they have these little discussions, a bit like doctors might do anonymously about their patients. You know, had a funny one the other day, big bump on the end of his nose, you know. What do you think that was? And so pastors do the same sort of thing. And they talk about what it is to be like a, a member of a church congregation. And the thing that probably exercises pastors and leaders the most is what they call the 20-60-20 rule. And a lot of pastors you'll hear will say, well, 20% of my congregation is really, really committed and on fire for God. And 20% is really just struggling at the edges. And the other 60% in the middle, well, they could go one way or the other. The trouble is they tend to listen to the complaints of the 120% rather than listen to the, the praises and the testimony and the encouragement of the, of the good 20%, if you like, or the top 20%. Now, I don't believe that's true. Because it says here, they all raised their voices together as one. They were all together. Every one of us can be in the top 20%. So we've got the doctrine of the, the 100 zero, zero. That's what we're looking for. Every one of us can be 100% in there with God. Every one of us can be 100% on fire for the Lord. Every one of us can be 100% uh, there in the sense of the church meeting together to pray and fulfill what the church is really here for. So let me give you a simple recap then on the three key words that are in this passage for us when it comes to how to pray Together as a church. Number one, together. Anybody remember the next one? You. And the third one? Boldly. Together, you, and boldly. That's the pattern for successful whole church prayer meetings. Can you say those words with me there? Number one, together. Number two, you. Number three, boldly. That's the pattern. So I've got two conclusions for you today. The first one is a declaration. I'm going to ask us to stand in a moment and make a declaration. I've put together those three words in a simple statement. Here they are on the screen. We can say this together. Lord, as we pray together and tell you, O oh God, how great your plans and your purposes are, we are filled with your Holy Spirit and boldness. Could you have faith to say that? Okay, well then let's stand and let's just declare this together. Okay, after three. Ready? One, two, three. Lord, as we pray together and tell you, O oh God, how great your plans and your purposes are, we are filled with your Holy Spirit and boldness. Well, that was quite good for a warm-up. Let's see if we can be like the Africans a little bit, shall we, and just get the roof up at least one or two inches. Now, let's say that together with a little bit more passion. If you don't do it a bit better this time, I'm going to get some of the Africans up here to lead us in this. John, you're laughing. You'll be first up on the stage. <laughs> okay, we can learn from our brothers and sisters all over the world. So let's say this together with a little bit more passion and volume, shall we? Lord, as we pray together and tell you, O oh God, how great your plans and your purposes are, we are filled with your Holy Spirit and boldness. One more time, please, even a little bit louder if you can manage it. Ready? Lord, as we pray together and tell you, O oh God, 
how great your plans and your purposes are. We are filled with your Holy Spirit and boldness. Amen. Now, yes, why don't we give the Lord a clap offering? Yes, come on. Now, before we move on to the next conclusion, I'm going to give you 60 seconds to pray now. And let's see if we can pray like that. Let's just lift our voice to the Lord and tell God how great he is, how awesome he is, and commit ourselves to his will and his purpose and plan for our lives, for this city, this nation, this church, this world. Let's just do that now. You've got one minute. Off we go. Lord, we thank you now for the power of your great name. You, O Lord, are great. Lord, you're awesome. Lord, you're wonderful. You're so good to us. You've saved us. You've washed us in the blood of Jesus. Lord, you've sent your mighty blessings to us. Lord, you look after us. You're so good to us. Lord, you're this great. You're this awesome. Lord, your plans stand firm forever. Your your testimony is in all the earth. God, you're great. Lord, we want to lift up your name and make your name great in our lives. Lord, it's your purposes and plans that count. Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on me and my life. Let your purposes be outworked in us as a church. Lord, let your great plan come into being for this nation and this city and our lives, Lord. Lord, we commit ourselves to doing what you've purposed to do. Lord, we don't ask for comfort or convenience. We just ask, Lord, you would use us to do your will and your bidding and your plans because you, Lord, are great. You deserve the highest praise. You deserve everything, Lord. You deserve all the glory and all the honor because you alone are God. You alone are true. You alone save us. You alone are the worthy one. Lord, we bless you. We bless you, the living God. Jesus, we bless you, the Son of God. It's about you, Jesus. It's about you, God, our Father. It's about you, Holy Spirit, and not about us. God, we pray, raise us up to be a people that bless your name and intercede according to your purposes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, you're awesome. Guys, we said last week that the prayer meeting should be like the maternity ward. Now, when the baby is born, what does the dad and all the family that are waiting on the phone do when God gives birth to something? They celebrate, don't they? So let's do that again with a bit more kind of, hey, God, we're really excited about you. Stir ourselves in the Holy Spirit. Let's praise the Lord our God. He's worthy to be praised. Let's give him a really good clap. That's more like it. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. God is giving birth to something in our lives today. Hallelujah. Let me just pray for you now before we go. If you would like, if you felt stirred this week at last to put prayer so much more at the center of your life on the top of your list as it were. If you feel stirred and I want to pray for you. You want, now you don't have to do this, but if you if you feel God, I just want to really get a hold of you in the place of prayer more than before, more than I've ever done. Even just raise your hands, and I'm going to pray for you now. Father, we thank you. We had the word earlier that we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. Father, thank you for that. Thank you. There is an open invitation to come before you, to do what the old song says, and knock on heaven's door. And Lord Jesus said, if we knock and go on knocking, the, the, the knock will be answered, the door will be opened, and God will hear. Father, I pray for each one of us now who's raised their hands. Lord, give us an anointing, a grace, a help from you to put other things aside and to go on knocking on heaven's door and to pray and seek the Lord until he comes, until he comes, until he comes. Father, I pray for a new beginning in prayer this year, for a new start in prayer this year. Lord, we pray the blood of Jesus will wash away any past failures in prayer, any sense of feeling guilty or bad that we didn't make it enough. Lord, we just thank you for your forgiveness and your cleansing now. But Lord, right now, 
you can stir up a whole new beginning in prayer for us, a whole new attitude, a whole new walk. Lord, we pray, release on us a spirit of prayer, of prayer in the private place and intercession when we come together. Lord, we pray, stir us up to pay the price, whatever it costs, that prayer would be first of all in our lives. And out of that prayer, we will see revival in our own lives, in the empty seats around us right now, in more to come yet, and in this city and nation. Lord, stir up a heart to pray for revival and for God to move and do what he wants to do in this nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there's one more conclusion just to come up on the screen there. And you've heard this twice already. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Oh, look at this. All these cards are here. Fantastic. Can I just invite some people to come and take these? They're going to do no good sitting here. Come and take a few. Come on, I'll throw some out in the congregation of the Lord. great encouragement and reminder Here you go. there about Hello Sunday next Sunday as well as the prayer meeting hope that has encouraged you not only that it's worth coming to the prayer night on Friday night but actually you can do it that God's grace is there to enable you to make it and to have the energy and to have the focus and it's going to be a fantastic time so uh, trust that you have a fantastic week this week and are continuing to put into practice all the tremendous things we've heard over recent weeks about the holy spirit helping us to access the word and to pray and then just a, a reminder hello sunday next sunday at half past 10 fantastic this is the end of our meeting there's refreshments available in the foyer tea and coffee and if i can ask parents to go and collect their children from children's uh, work that would be uh, really helpful for the children's workers there have a fantastic week enjoy the rest of your day